Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Hey, welcome everybody. Episode 88 of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. I'm your... I'm kind of the co-host, but today I'm going to be the host. I'm your host, Dr. Terry Sellers, and we have our guest in studio, who's not really a guest because he's here for every single episode, including twice as many as I'm here, Jared Miller. What's up, I'm excited brother? to do this, man. Yeah. Episode 88. We've made it through 88 I know, episodes. That's pretty cool, right? That is, man. We're streaking towards cool. 100. Yeah. You want to yeah. hit us up with a little uh, who sponsors us? Episode 88 is brought to us by Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is here to help you or a loved one get help as soon as you make that decision and are ready to get help. Uh, you can reach out to them by calling them at 801-800-8142, or you can go to their website. That's stepsrc.com. You can live chat with an intake coordinator. Uh, we They got you from start to finish, all the way from detox, inpatient, outpatient, aftercare. Uh, they're a great organization, and we appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Yes, we do. All right, uh, one more thing. Uh, so today's episode is going to be, we're going to highlight... Uh, yeah, what are we doing today, though? We're going to highlight our host, Jared Miller, because we... We're both hosts. Well, I, I get it, but we're going to highlight our host, I'll Jared I'll be your Miller. co-host today. All right. Well, Sweet. you're going to be the guest today, dude. <laughs> you're, you get nothing. You're in, you're not in charge of nothing today, except for the sponsorship mentions. So um, we're going to highlight, uh, Jared is, has gotten eight years clean and sober, and we're going to talk about how he did that and how he got there and that sort of stuff. And we're going to talk about some of the blessings he's gotten from being clean and sober. But speaking of those blessings, there's a new company, apparently, that you have formed that I'd like you to just spend a couple of minutes with real quick. Okay, yeah. I was going to mention him in the second part of the oh, sponsorship you were? mention. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, we can do okay. that. It's okay. I can. Let's do it now. Okay, cool. So so I actually, for like the last year, I've been working on putting together uh, a supplement company and not just like weightlifting, you know, sports supplements, more specifically supplements that affect the brain. Yeah. Right? So we're starting off with two different formulas. The first one is called Mindful Mood. Okay. And it helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood. It's basically like a premium mushroom blend, non-psychoactive. It's got lion's mane in it. It's got several... Uh, really good nootropic um, herbs and, and supplement basically to, to help kind of Op- calm. It doesn't optimize. Yeah. Here's the thing is oh, it wait, doesn't it's make your, you what? tired, right? Like it's right. not, it's not like a before bed type thing. It's, right. it's just, I call it the weekend formula, right? Okay. Over the weekend, you're wanting to just kind of forget about work and just have a good time and, and enjoy the company you have around, around you. Um, yeah, it's really good. If, if you haven't done any research on lion's mane, check it out. It's got almost half of the ingredients it, in it, milligram-wise, is lion's mane, which is fa- a fantastic nootropic. Mindful mood. Mindful mood, yep. Mindful mood. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a sleeper. It's not something that puts you down. No, you just take two to three in the morning, and it, and it helps you kind of be present, helps yeah. you stay focused. It makes you more alert. Love that. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Sweet. And then the second- What's your second one? The second one is-, is uh, We'll announce that one when it gets released. Oh, that will? one's not going to... It's a little bit further in the future. Let's just focus so, on the mindful okay. mood right mindful now. Mindful mood. Yeah. So what's the name of the company? Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements. Can uh, can our listeners get some mindful mood? How would they do that? So we're going to start by selling it actually on this podcast's Facebook platform. Okay. Right? Because okay. the website is being built right now. The website okay. is, is going to be riseupsups.com. But it's it's under construction at this point. Beautiful. We bought the domain name. They're engineering it. They're working it out. They're designing it and getting everything ready to rock and roll. So we're going to start off by selling it through the Facebook page, and then they'll be able to to go to the website. So go to our Facebook page. We do recover with Jared Miller. Yeah, the pre-sale starts soon. Oh wow, well, this yeah. is exciting. Yeah, yeah. You know, the truth is, this is kind of the direction I want to go with this podcast anyway. But it's pretty cool that that, that you're doing that. I like that a lot. You know, I've I've had a couple different businesses, and and I've uh, to be honest, I've probably failed at most of them, and, it's right. and so it's like you know, let's you just give down? it a shot. Do you stay down? The one, no, absolutely not. And the thing that I love about down, this is okay. I'm super passionate about it. You know, I see a ton of people that are on like a lot of antidepressants and 
you know, I constantly ask him, have you ever just tried something natural yeah. that doesn't have a bunch of side effects? Yeah. So we'll see. Awesome. It'd be fun. I like it. That's my right. new and good, actually. Well, let's. So. Uh, well, I was, we usually do new and goods at this point, but that might be your new and good. Yeah, there You've it is. Got a company that's starting and about to launch its first product, and second product is close and lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We do recover with Jared Miller. Go to the Facebook page, Mindful Mood. So, it's Doc, your rise up sup thing. What's new and good with you, buddy? Um, new and good. Um, new. <laughs> just just when you were going to answer. I got to fix that button. Yeah, I, apparently that keeps going. <laughs> uh, we'll just just run it for like five minutes, Sean. We'll just all just sit here and listen to <laughs> new and good. Um, he's going to hit it again. I, well, I He didn't. Okay, good. Uh, well, here's the problem is my new and goods are always golf. There's nothing wrong Isn't with that. Isn't it true? There's nothing wrong with that, man. All right. So you I'm, got out. I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. Last week, I played in the Wasatch Recovery Golf Tournament, which is, Wasatch Recovery does a really nice, their golf tournament is first class, for sure. They do a great golf tournament. It was at Thanksgiving Point. And I played with a couple of friends of mine, Dave Cox, who's been a guest on this show. Great guy. And then Cy Hershey, who is a, who uh, works in the industry, and Tyler Rogers, who's a marketer for uh, Journey Recovery Center, where I, a place where I work. They were on my team. So we're cruising along, right? We get to about the, th we started on hole four or five. I don't know what it was. Uh, Thanksgiving point. There's this place where uh, the, the cart path comes down a hill, but there's a hill to your left. So you can't really see very well to the left. You get to the bottom of the hill and there's a stop sign. Is this the story about you hitting somebody? Shh, don't give it away. Y you've told the story. Did I tell it on this podcast? Yeah, you've told oh, it on the shoot. podcast. Let's not do that then. <laughs> That's okay. I don't have any new goods then. No, go ahead. Continue. No. Have you... Have you Did I really tell that on the... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's How okay. am I? That's okay. Did, have you, like... What's that so look pay, like? Okay, so I paid it off, by the way. Oh, here's a new good. I paid to the it tune off. of what? $685 for that guy's uh, bike. That's probably just like and the front forks and tire, right? I think all I... Well, what it looked like to me is all I had done is bent his tire... But I must, it, it can't just be a tire, a, whe a wheel and a tire. I have to have bent the forks. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I got him paid off. I was going to say, you didn't hit somebody again, did you? No. <laughs> no, the good news is my memory is so bad that I didn't hit somebody again. <laughs> <laughs> now, I played golf this morning at 6.30, which is not really my normal time, but played good, had fun. I, hey, listen. Lovely. That's an act of God right it there is. to get Terry get, Sellers out of bed that early in yeah, the morning. I don't get up at 6.30 very often. Um, Sean, you got anything new and good over there? Let's see. Uh, my wife's having dinner at her family's house tonight and kind of implied that if I want to show up, I can if I want to, which means I'm not going to, which is really good for me. Can I? Tr <laughs> Listen, I, oh, I, you're in trouble, I speak wife. You want me to tell you what she really said? You better be there. Oh, no, yeah. no. We've gotten past that point. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, 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 we're past that's that worked point. Out the, that's all worked out in the relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you, you go spend time with them. I'll do me. That's cool. All right. Yeah, I like it. Everybody needs their... good. And then when you're done there, you call me and then we'll go out because it's her birthday today as well. Oh, it is? So. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. So that's she can have nice. a birthday with them and then a birthday with me, but all just right. not a birthday with all of us together because that's just, that's not good. It's a recipe for disaster. That's old and borrowed or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got you. All right. Uh, let's let's start. So tell us what's going on with your life this week. What happened with you this week? Any milestones in your recovery? Yeah. So on uh, July 3rd. July 3rd. I hit eight years. Okay. Eight years in recovery, baby. Okay. I want to go back to that. So we're going to okay. spend a little time talking to Jared about how he got to this point, but I want to go back to that. So July 3rd, eight years ago was the, was 2014, right? Yep. Yep. 2014. July 3rd, 2014. Uh, that's exactly where I want to start this story, basically. I call it my live date. Okay. You know, a lot of people refer to you as their clean date, but but to me it was my live date uh, because because I had a, a suicide attempt on that day. Okay, I was going to say, let's go back just before that date. What led up to that being your last day you ever took a drink or a drug? Uh, so building up to that, I, I had struggled with an opiate addiction for, for years. 
okay. know, at least three, four, uh, probably a good solid three to four years. We heard your story once upon a time, but yeah. it was really early in this podcast. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, how'd you get started on opiates? So I was prescribed... I shattered. I've I've had a couple surgeries. I played football, right? I was super okay. involved in sports. Played football growing up, and um, I've had a couple ankle surgeries. I still have a plate and some rods and some screws, some hardware in my right my right leg. A couple shoulder surgeries and stuff like that. And I was always prescribed pain meds. Okay. At the time, though, I had like connection and I had purpose and belonging and all the important ingredients that we have in life. But right? that was called football for you, right? It was football. It was friends. It was school. It was family, family. Sure. Yeah. All those things, right? right? Faith. Um, and so I never really like used up all of them. I would just take mm. them and throw them in a shoebox and put them in the top of my closet. Like, oh, maybe I'll need these one day, you know? Mm. So that was not, you were not a drug addict at that point. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I no, wasn't. No drug addicts I know have shoe boxes with pills left over. You know, I, I find it interesting working in the field now. So I'm going to kind of switch gears here. Yeah. For me, I'll just speak for me because I know that sure. a lot of people will say that why they started using for different reasons. For me, it was to cover up emotional pain. I never truly had, like I'd used recreationally before I drank in high school and I, you know, ate a marijuana brownie in college and, you know, like I'd messed around young, dumb kid. College stuff. Yeah. But I had never truly become addicted to something until I experienced the death of my dad. Okay. So I, I get a job teaching and coaching at the college or at the high school level out in Arizona and You're my dad's- Kingman? No, it was- uh, uh, Quartzite, Quartzite, Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Just right below Lake Havasu. Okay. And so my dad had been uh, sick for a number of years. You know, he was a vet and just had pretty bad health. And, and so he, he, it was kind of a joke. Like he would go in and he was on hospice and the doctor say he only have this long to live and he'd make it that long. And then he'd be like, how much longer do I got now, doc? You know, <laughs> like he's just a tough old dude. Yeah. And, uh, as many vets are. Yeah. And so I get a call from my mom and she's like, Hey, you know, your dad's doing really bad. And I'm like, you know, what's new? This yeah. is this, I, this, I've heard this since I was a junior in high school, mom, you know, this is years old. And she's like, no, Jared, really, like, I think that we're getting close. And so I booked a flight from Arizona back to Utah. And I went and I did all this stuff that my dad took me to do when I was a kid, right? Like, um, you know, we went up to our, our old camping spot and we went to like the, the Raptors and Bees baseball game and went you to mean the movies. You and your dad me and my dad things. did, yeah. Okay. It right. was kind of like my, my, okay, if this is it, goodbye, spend time with you, okay. right? So we're, we're the, the emotional pain really comes in is right before I was supposed to go back, right? It's my first year as a head coach and we're, we're doing two a days and, um, I'm supposed to be back coaching. And so I go to fly back and it's the night I'm flying back and, and my dad's getting ready, you know, in his room and we're going to go to dinner and then go to the airport and I'm helping him get ready. Cause he can't put his socks on and stuff like that. Right. And so, um, man, <laughs> it's all right. It's so all right. take a breath. So he, he asked me to stay. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I've worked through this, I promise, but no. it gets me every time. Well, he asked me to stay just a little bit longer, just a couple more days. I can remember it like I'm there right now. Which is tough, right? Yeah. Because you, you got this thing calling you for sure. Right. And I've gone to college for four years and worked on becoming a teacher and a coach and right. done all these things to, right. to create this opportunity this for myself. It's your life stream. Right. And so I, I tell him, you know, dad, I can't, you know, I, I can't do it. And, and my mom comes in and, you know, I'm in tears and he's in tears and she's like, you guys knock, you know, knock it off. Let's go get dinner. And so, so we go and we get dinner and they take me to the airport and I can remember, uh, giving my dad a hug and saying goodbye. And I said to him, I said, okay, now I want you to take care of yourself. Cause I want you to come see me out in Arizona. I want you to be there the first game I coach. Sure. Take a swig of water, would you? Yeah. <clears throat> and I can remember him just looking at me and saying, he said, Jared, I want you to know that I'm proud of you and I love you. Two days later, he passed away. That was, that was really tough for me. And for, so I have these, these, Opiates in my closet in a shoebox. Wait a sec before you move on with that. You had left. Yeah, I left. You had to leave. I got a phone call two days later that he passed away. Okay, right. I flew out on like a Sunday and I got a call like Tuesday morning. 
So of course, all that guilt, like right. he just wanted me to be there his last couple of days, right? right? He enjoyed the time that we'd had. And, um, and so I had, I had the pain pills and shoebox and stuff in the top of my closet. And I can remember laying in bed and just tossing and turning and, you know, I, I couldn't sleep and just the white noise and the, I should have, could have, what if game, you know, going through my head. And I can remember when I was in physical pain, like my leg throbbing in pain, taking those opiates and I slept like a baby. Mm. And so, you know, you get the warm, fuzzy feeling. And, and so I thought, man, if these are good for physical pain, hopefully they're good for emotional pain. And I got to get some sleep anyway, right? Yep. That's where it started. And I mean, I wasn't crushing them and snorting them. I wasn't doing anything crazy. I wasn't shooting them. Right. I wasn't, I mean, I would just Took take them, just swallow them, them right? Sure. Um, well, eventually, you know, anytime I had those uncomfortable emotions or those thoughts, that emotional pain, I would just numb them out by using opiates. Okay. Well, I ran out. I was going to say, you can't have a, you can't have enough to last very long. For sure. But my, <laughs> I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but at the time I had a player whose father was a doctor. Oh, and so I would nice. just go into his office and we would chop it up about his son and baseball or yeah. football or whatever season we were in. And hey, your son might have a chance to start this week. Well, I wouldn't frame it like I that, know, right? I know. <laughs> he was actually already a starter. He was a phenomenal player. But, okay, good. Um, but, you know, I would just go in and we wouldn't even really have to talk too much. And obviously I would just show him my x-rays and my medical history. And he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, boom, right? It's just It was just easy. It was super easy. Mm. So I go from you know, nothing to taking something every single day, multiple times mm. a day. And then of course, you know, somebody, I'm going to use air quotes here for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this breaks into my car and steals my prescription. They did that. Or you didn't I dump lose them in the, it. You didn't, they didn't fall in the toilet. They may have a time or two. Dog, you know, you, you dog ate a few. Yeah. You know, the game, they? right? You know, the game, right? <laughs> so it's it's funny because I've done this. You know, I used to I used to be a physician who saw people with yeah. pain, and uh, people's birth control pills and thyroid medications never fell in the toilet. And their dogs never ate their never yeah. ate their high blood pressure meds. But man, those pain pills get eaten by yeah. dogs. Yeah. There's something about it that really the dogs really just love. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably when I had the first indicator that like I had a problem. But, you know, I'm in denial. Like, I'm going through a doctor. It's prescribed. Sure, I'm using more than it's prescribed, but I need these, right? Like, this is this is how I'm functioning. This is how I'm surviving. So that's where my addiction started. And it, like everything, like we've heard countless stories on this podcast progressed from there. What, um, I want to explore that for just a second from okay. uh, from an interesting point of view because you know what I do for a living. Yeah, you're a doctor. Do you have any resentments towards that doctor at all? None, zero. Okay, what do you what, put yourself in his shoes? What do you think he's thinking? You know, I think that he at the time saw a young man that was healthy. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing college football. Right, like sure. I am. A, I am sure. a physical pretty healthy. Yeah, like well, I, I, that's a guy playing football. He's in college, they called me the Greek, the Greek god, right? I looked like a Greek god. Like I was just in immaculate shape. I have a career. I'm educated. Hey, can I say something? Sure. You actually don't look too bad right now. Well, you know, that's all right. I'm third. You know, I'm, I'm in my thirties now, so it's, you take good care of yourself. So I think he saw, you know, a, a young, active, healthy, educated, married, you know, baby on the way, you know, successful guy, looking yeah, dude, and thought. This guy doesn't look, and you know, and he's in pain. You take a X-ray of a, sh you know, a but that hurts. Rod, a plate, and about seven or eight. His... Right. I mean, yeah, it's that just hurt. I don't have any resentments towards him. You I, know, I, I don't think he was trying to do any harm. Yeah, I think he started catching on. Yeah, sure. That there was a problem. Sure. And maybe at that point, it would have helped to have a talk to me, mm -hmm. but that's not his responsibility. Well, and it's hard. Listen, I, 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 so I can approach this, obviously, from the doctor's point of view really well. And it sounds like a guy that was just trying to be helpful, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was trying to help you out and probably got, you know, there was a point where he started to get, like, maybe this isn't the greatest thing to do, but... I don't want to cut this guy off. Like he's, I've had a pain, had him on pain pills for a while. I just don't want to cut him cold turkey. So hey, I'll give him some more, a little bit more. Yeah. Like, yep. uh, um, in this country, we have an opioid epidemic that at least part of the blame has to be on the doctor. But the truth is, most of the time, 
the doctors are trying to be helpful. Yeah. They're not trying to cause harm. They might cause harm, but they're not trying. Well, and listen, back in 2014 and earlier, I don't know that, it, again, at the time, there wasn't necessarily an opioid epidemic. It wasn't right. on everybody's right. you know, radar at the time. Right. It was just... It was just a thing. Yeah, right? it's a, it's a lot more on the radar now. For sure, that, that kind of stuff. Although it still happens, it should for sure be hitting doctors quicker yeah. than it used to. Yeah, yeah, yep. So of course, natural progression. You know, I end up uh, moving back to Utah after um, our second kid was born. My wife wanted to move back and be closer to family. So when when my daughter was born, we moved back to Utah. So Utah was on a hiring freeze. So I go from mourning my dad to now I've lost my career. I'm selling cell phones in the mall, like feeling like, man, I went to school and did all this stuff wait, for nothing. Wait, you lost your career because... When I moved back to Utah your from Arizona... Wife, your wife just said, we're going to move back to Utah? Yeah, you know, you, uh, and listen, of course, you can only come home. I'm living my dream, right? Right. Her dream is to be a mom and be around family. Okay. And, and her family's so, in... In Utah. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, happy wife, happy life, right? That's what you hear. So, okay. so, and I don't blame her at all. So we moved no, back no, no, to Utah. No, right, right. And, uh, Utah. But you gave up coaching at that point. Yeah. Because Utah you, was on a hiring freeze. They weren't hiring any more teachers. And so I had to find oh, a different, wow. a different, you know, different way to make money. Okay. So, so here you are. You've now, you've been a head coach at the high school level, which for three is years. a big accomplishment. Yep. yep. And, your next job is selling cell phones. Yep. Working at Sprint in the mall, well, selling that, cell phones. Yep. You need to numb that pain. And hey, listen, you don't, you know, you're, you're making money off commission. So you're only as good as you can sell. And right. by this point I'm fully addicted and I'm convinced myself that I'm a much better salesman when I have opiates. Oh, in my for system. sure you are. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, opiates are getting expensive and I moved back to Utah and went to a doctor and they said, dude, this, this surgery was years ago. You shouldn't yeah, need this not. stuff anymore. Oh shoot. I hate those conscientious doctors. <laughs> <laughs> so natural progression. I thought, well, this stinks. And I can actually remember, I, I don't share this to, anyways. I'm keeping the names out cause I don't, I'm not trying to right? well, This sure. is my story. Sure. But I worked with a coworker. I worked with a coworker and, and I came in one day and I was super sick withdrawing, right? Just super okay. sick. And if you know me, like I go to work anyways, like I'm typically right. not the guy, if I call in, I'm dying. Yeah. I had surgery a few weeks back and I showed up the next day and they're like, what are you doing? Go home. Right. Yeah. Like you had oral surgery two days yesterday, didn't you? Yeah. And yep. here you are doing a podcast. Right. So, so, um, so he says, Hey man, there's some stuff that you, that you can take that'll help you feel better. And you know, I'm like, what is it? And he starts and he says, it's black. I just remember him saying it's black. black yeah. And well, I'm I don't like, care what color it is. What are you talking about? Right. And I'm like, I, again, I'd never, I'm not I a racist, totally, dude. totally, you know, didn't even, and he's like, heroin, you dummy. And yeah. I'm like, oh man, I would never do that. That's, yeah, that's dirty. Heroin. Like that's, that's terrible. Right. And he's like, all right, man, enjoy, enjoy the withdrawals, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Two Which hours are not later, enjoyable. Two hours. Of you who have never done that. Sadly to admit two hours later, I went to him and said, dude, I'm desperate. Whatever you got. Sure. Fast forward. I end up homeless. Oh. Downtown Rio Grande area, you know, not overnight. Right. There was a natural progression in there. Wife's wanting a divorce. Uh, I had had some attempts methadone, suboxone attempts, and they just you, failed every time. You went to a methadone clinic? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I went to a methadone clinic, okay. one in Layton and one in Ogden. Okay. How actually. long were you on methadone? <laughs> uh, three days before I caught my first possession charge. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You're on methadone and you were getting heroin still? Well, for sure, because when you start out on methadone, they can only give you so much, right? Sure, that's true. They give you a super low dose, right. and I was sick, and so, you know. I'm an addict through and through, buddy. No, you know? I, I got, I, I'm starting to get that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I did that dance. You know, I failed multiple times at, at trying recovery. You know, I was kind of a, a, a tire kicker, and you know, I didn't, I wasn't like a fully let's dive in and do this thing. I was like, a, well, let's let's test this out. Yeah, I'll dip I, my toes in the water. How can I and see what happens? How can I not? How can I be comfortable? And not catch another possession charge. And to make my family happy. Right. That's where my motivation uh, was. Right. Yep. It wasn't internal motivation. It Every, was get everybody off my everybody's back. Everybody's been there. Yep. Get everybody off my back. Right. But I still want to be comfortable. Yeah. I'm not ready to be clean. I just don't want my family bugging me so much. Is this what we're doing? I don't. Do I want to tell my full story on this? Well, I like what we're doing so far because I got <laughs> the second half of the thing. We got a lot of stuff to talk cool. about. I do want to talk about life in recovery today because yeah. I got a pretty cool life in recovery today. Well, I, I want to talk about that too for sure. We got thirty seconds left, but 
Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll we'll get we'll get to life recovery. I Hopefully, promise. though, if people are listening to this, they can relate. You know, I, I get it. For those of you that are on mat medication assisted yeah. treatment, I've been there. I've done it. It wasn't my last time. I didn't use any, and we'll get to that. All right. Great. Well, we will take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back right after that. Desmond Lomax, little 30-second commercial break here. Cheers, Doc. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times, and it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, welcome back. Segment two, episode 88. We do recover with Jared Miller. We're talking uh, talking with Jared about his story. But before we get to that, Hilton Garden Inn... If you are traveling through southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn and give them a quick call. They take really good care of us, and they take really pretty good care of everybody, frankly, because they have great staff. Like, the staff's super friendly there, and amenities are great, and the rooms are lovely and cool. And We love the Hilton. It's not, uh, cool, out, it's not cool outside down here, but the rooms are very nice and cool. It is triple digits in St. George, Utah. Warm. Yeah, yeah, super yeah. hot. Yeah, that's all right. So I'll give them a shot. Uh, they'll uh, they'll treat you really well. Okay, um, I don't know if anybody heard. I hit a guy on a with my golf cart on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any, should I tell the story. <laughs> all right, let's get back to it. All right, so I didn't uh, I didn't want this to be like a, a Jared's full blown. No, that's what. And there, I, listen, listen. There's, I, thought there's the, I thought it was interesting. I hadn't yeah. heard some of that stuff before. I mean, I knew some of the stuff, but not some of the details. And I, think you know how it is, though, Doc. Like I've I've been on podcasts and shared my story, and sometimes I just I just hope nobody's you out there going, like "Oh my it. gosh, just another." You don't like it's it, another but, story but it's an from Jared. Story. Okay, it's an interesting story. Let my insecurities go. Yeah, let that go. You're doing great. Okay. Uh, and I think it's been pretty interesting. Okay, so you are hooked. You have you're using heroin. You got me- you started methadone. You got caught a possession charge. Um, I yes. definitely want to get to recovery, but um, where did you? Wh- at what point did you get to the point where you really decided that it took a lot? It took a lot, and I'll move through to, some of that. It's time to be clean. Yeah, it took a lot, and I'll move through some of that fairly fast. So basically, after I caught my first possession charge, my family knew the gig was up. Okay. Right? Um, I would love to say that at that point I stopped and I seeked help, but that's not my story. Again, I wanted to, um, get everybody off my back mm-hmm. and I still wanted to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I just got sneakier sure. and I got more sure. tricky you and gotta, gotta right? get better at and, it. And it was, uh, you don't right. need to stop using, you need to be better at hiding it. Yeah. And unfortunately that just ended up costing me uh, what that brought me was more, Charges, more possession charges, drug court, you know, uh, yeah, just more disaster, Did more you go to destruction. Yet in this story, have you? So been to I had one prior inpatient treatment, right, okay. and it was right after I'd gotten arrested. Okay, the first arrest. Yeah, the first possession charge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and so um, basically, my family says we'll bail you out, but you got to go get some mm-hmm. help. So I went to Ogden Regional, and. Um, I just did a detox because I'm I'm not an addict. Right. I'm just hooked you on just pain it, meds. It's right. the pain meds you fault, don't right? Need treatment. You just right. need to kind of have somebody help you get off. Sure. It. So I went to like a, Stop a detox stay for a little while, and um, I actually, you know, what's crazy about that is I actually at this point in time, um, my wife, I try to go back home after, and she's got the doors, changed the locks on the doors, oh. moved my stuff in the garage. Oh. This isn't a, sh- a shame, my ex-wife, right? Because I, for good reason, you earned it. Sure, totally earned it. That's that's the accountability that I get to to take today. Um, and for a while, 
my motivation was to get back. Right. So I actually, I actually did for the first little while out of detox, I did fairly well. You know, I was winging off of the suboxone. They gave me the detox and I was going back to work and doing all the things. Um, and then it kind of came evident that we weren't getting back together. Okay. There was. So now you're having pain again. Well, yeah, there's basically within three years, uh, I lost my dad, my brother passed away and my wife asked me for a divorce. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, there was something there that was a big thing. That's her accountability. I'll let, let her, you know, um, keep that. That's not my place to share, but, but it was just indefinite that the relationship's not going to work out. Right. So of course I go, that's, that's, that is the beginning of the super fast downward spiral. Okay. I just didn't care. Just lost all care of, right. So I go back to using heroin again. I literally remember leaving the meeting between me and her and directly going back. And it's been a couple months since I got out of detox. Okay. And I remember going back directly down, um, and picking up and downtown. Yep. And using, right. Uh, well, eventually sleep that night, my mom's house. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and eventually my mom realizes that I'm, you know, back using. Yeah. And so she kicks me out. Now where are you sleeping? One of the best things my mother ever did for me. Yeah, hard Practice to do. a little tough Hard love. to do. Yep. And that is tough for a mom. And so so that's when... Nice work, Judy. Yeah, that's when the, the you know, that's when I had to really experience my natural consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. July 3rd, 2014, I'd had enough. I, I don't... Listen, I like being comfortable. I like taking showers. I like eating food on a regular basis. I like having a place to sleep and yeah. a place to that's... lay my head at night that's safe and secure. Um, sleeping in gar- like uh, parking garages was not my not, your gig. not my gig. Sleeping um, on concrete, not not great. And at the time before, I, I felt invisible. It, you know, like I really did. I felt like like nobody had. And listen, this is me in my in the time. Right. I this is me wallowing in my self pity. Right. But it was real to me at the time. I think that's important to to say too. You sure. know, like I genuinely felt like, and my family Nobody members loves you. now looking back. My family members have told me, "Hey, we went downtown. We drove around all night looking for you. We wanted to make sure you were still alive. We had no way of getting in contact with you to let you know that we cared and we wanted to offer help." Right. So it's definitely you don't not have a there. cell phone. Don't have a cell phone. Pawn that bad boy. So you sold that thing for yeah some so, heroin. So July third, two thousand fourteen, I get enough. I acquire through some illegal means to get enough to. To take my own life. To get her done. Okay. Uh, didn't happen. Um, I, I, weird, most of the time when you go to a public bathroom, if it's locked, you just move on to the next one. Right? I mean, okay. well, downtown in the Gateway Mall, I went into a public bathroom and proceeded to overdose. And and somebody, instead of just moving on to the next one, they called security and they called police and they called the paramedics and they came in and hit Whoa. me with Narcan three times. and Whoa. Yeah. Brought me back. Interesting. Yeah. I had a really cool experience that I typically don't share. Uh, I had an experience with my dad again. Mm. And I, I kind of refer to that in, when I overdosed. I refer to that as my spiritual awakening. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard for me to describe because there really isn't like the words, you know, like I, I can't formulate words from our understanding to be able to accurately portray this. But, but I was in a place with him. And he, he wasn't there in physical form, but, but I felt him there. He was there. Yeah. His, his presence was there without a doubt. And, um, and I communicated to him, Hey, I'm done. I want to come home. I want to be with you. (laughs) And the message I got back was, it's not your time. And, uh, yeah, I woke up on the floor staring at a light and that's, that is when I thought, what light are you staring at? The light on the ceiling the or the above. cop's light? No, the light above. Okay. The ceiling light. And that is probably when I decided, like, okay, I can remember going to jail and sitting in jail in a, in a jail cell by myself, nothing but me and my thoughts and God in there. And I remember saying an ugly prayer, but a, a you know, full-hearted prayer and just like, if it's not my time to go, then what? Yeah. What's next for me? Give me purpose. Give me, give me something, right? Um. And again, I, I think looking back, the cold turkey was a big part of it too, mm. because I got sentenced to 365 days in the Davis County Jail. 
was arrested in Salt Lake. I had warrants out of Davis County. I was felony on felony probation. I was on run from programs, you know, in probation, uh, whole rap sheet. So they transferred, transported me back to Davis County, got sentenced to 365 days in the Davis County jail, early release spawn completion of a program called the MRC program stood for men's recovery center. Okay. So before I did six months of that year sentence before I even got into the program. Okay. And during that six months, the experiences I had prepared me. I was ready. I did not want to go back to jail. Right. Right. I, Apparently I, I have to live, but I don't want to live in this place. Yes. That's when I felt like a shift in me starting to take, to, to take place. Like when I had been arrested and gone and spent a couple of days before getting bailed out or whatever the case may be, I was always sitting around glorifying war story and drug journaling with everybody at the tables, playing cards talking about how the system was messed up and this and that and oh, conspiracy yeah. theories. And, you know, I was, it was with that group right. this time I was like, no, I'm staying in my room. I'm reading books. I'm going to religious meetings. I'm going to 12 step meetings. I knew I wanted something different. Um, I go to treatment and, and I didn't have the best experience. It was a County program. Sure. There were people that were counted out from prison that were there that antisocial personality disorders, what mm. I know it, <laughs> of it as now, but you know, uh, they weren't necessarily there for change. They were there to get time reduced off their sentence. Sure. But it was good for me. It was good for me because it made me realize one of my counselors called me out on this. I, I remember saying like, I hate these guys. And she's like, are you here to be Mr. Popular? Or are you here to make changes in your life? That was huge for me because I had always been Mr. Popular. Sure. And I was caught up in that wanting you to like me. I couldn't like me unless you liked me. Right. So that was, that was, you know, that was kind of my journey. That's, that's really where it started. I moved into a halfway house and oh. the guy that was UAing us in the halfway house was using, flushing his needles <laughs> down the toilet <laughs> and funny story. And so one night we wake up and everything's flooded. The, the oh, whole sure. kitchen downstairs is all caved sure. in tile. Yeah, right? Turns out you're not actually supposed to flush needles down the toilet. So they kick us all out everywhere. Cause nobody wanted to, you know, no nobody's going to tattle. Right. right. No one's going to, um, in hindsight, they would have just had to UA all of us and would have figured it out. But anyways, uh, so they kick us out of that little halfway house. I moved back in with my mom and I just start rebuilding my life. You know, mom, let you come home. Mom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As long as I was clean, as right. long as I was doing the deal, she let me come home and I, listen, I did the outpatient too. And I did right. I still followed through on all the recommendations I had to, I was court ordered. I, I couldn't, I had to do it. So what early recovery looked like for you? It was tough, super hard. <laughs> super hard child support 50 percent of my paycheck went uh, to child support right? what were you doing at the time uh i got a job working at a call center uh, and there's a cool there's no story drugs in that. a call center there was uh, yeah, for sure there was <laughs> but but again like i i genuinely I was ready to be once different. here's the thing with me is i'm pretty strong-headed like once i make my mind up about something i stick with it pretty well Okay. You know, and if people are smoking pot around me or drinking or doing things like that, that never bothered me. That wasn't, that was never my drug of choice. I was, I, I was never interested in that anyways. It was the one thing or it was nothing really. Right. right. Um, super hard. You know, my first vehicle, I borrowed my mom's car for a long time. First vehicle I paid, paid cash for it was a 1993 Ford F-250 truck that had rust holes in it the size of <laughs> you know the size of of soccer balls that's a cool uh, that's a cool vehicle though yeah yeah it was right. i called it the beast you know okay um so that what was, did you do recovery wise so i i i i remember when i went to treatment they had us go to fellowships 12-step okay. fellowship programs and I can remember, it's funny, you know, when we first met, like I was so worried uh, still about what other people thought about me. Right. I went to, I started off in actually AA okay. because it was more socially acceptable for me to say that I was an alcoholic than a heroin addict. Okay. And listen, the principles and the concepts and the steps are really all the same. It's all the same stuff. I got a sponsor. His name was John. Okay. This dude, man, I'm going to get emotional again. This dude changed my life. He taught me how to live, right, um, without getting, without getting high. Yeah. 
And he gave me some concepts. Like he told me, listen, Jared, in the first year, I don't want you to make a single decision by yourself. I don't care. I don't give it. I don't, I do not care if it's lunch. Right. I want you to ask other people's opinions. Yeah. In other words, your best thinking got you here. Right. Lean on some other people. Yeah. Right. To, to, and you know, th- for me, that was huge. Cool you know? concept. Yeah. Um, so I, so that's the, you hard know, to I give up to, that stuff. You're an adult. Yeah. Hard to turn that over. And listen, I made some mistakes. But he's right. Yeah. Your best thinking got you where you are. Yeah, for sure. I made some mistakes. You know, I, sure. I, the 13th step was my favorite step for That's a minute. A good step, 13th step. <laughs> so I wasn't, oh, you know, I wasn't, I didn't do it perfect and I wasn't, you know, it took me 18 well, months. You're a good looking guy. It you're took probably, me 18 months to get through all 12 steps. Probably a pretty successful 13th stepper yourself. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go there. All my right. beautiful wife sitting outside this podcast studio. But it take it took me 18 months to get through all because I was resistant. Listen, I felt offended the first time I went through the steps. Admit I'm powerless. Yeah, no, you're Admit not that my life's unmanageable. No, Who are you remember, talking to? I'm that, Jared freaking Miller. Remember that strong-headed guy you were talking about <laughs> earlier? <laughs> yeah. 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 He's not powerless. Yeah. He can just bull his way through recovery. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you know, I think everybody, you know, um became willing to turn my will in my life over. Like I'm giving up control. Are you crazy? You know, I can't give, I can't turn my life over. Like, you know. Okay. I've got 10 minutes left. Okay. And I'm going to make you just totally, we're just changing course right now. Sweet. Let's change it. Switch gears. What is, what is the biggest blessing you have in your life today that you would not have if you weren't clean and sober? Relationships with other people. Okay. When Let's I talk about those. When I was at the bottom of my bottom, I was alone. I was very lonely. I felt invisible, right? So the opposite of that that I have today is I have a, a healthy relationship with my mom, you know? Okay. She doesn't love when I come on here and tell my story because she's, you know, she's a mom, traditional I, conservative I mom. I had the same But mom. she still supports me and she posts right. a comment in every one of these podcasts. And she's super and, proud of you, by the way. Yeah, you know, and, and my, my oldest brother, we didn't talk for a long time. Years we didn't talk for. Um, I eventually got to hear his side of things and it was like, dude, I thought you were going to die. And to protect myself and my family, mm-hmm. I had to... Pull away. Well, put up a boundary, Right. right. Uh, so today I, I can go to his house and swim in his pool and barbecue with him and, you know, Sweet. have a good time. And, and, you know, um, I have connections with people. My wife, what, what's the biggest connection in your life? My, my wife, you're married. Yeah. That's my, to a lovely, lovely human being, yeah. by the way, which was funny because I was always the guy that's like, I'll never get remarried. Yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> after the experience that I had, I thought I'd never get remarried. But yeah, my wife is my absolute, you know, when everything else... You would not have her for sure if you were still using. No, absolutely There's not. no chance in the world you'd have her. Right, right. So when, when everything else, at the end of the day, when I come home and I can close out the rest of the world, I have Mandy. You have a friend. Yeah, absolutely. Who loves you unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah, on your great days and on your crappy days. Yeah, and I got guys like you. Yeah. You know, I got, I, I, I listen, I could name off and I won't do it because I don't want to be like, oh, he's just name dropping, but... If you're listening to this and you know who you are, you're a male role model in my life. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good guys out there. And I appreciate you more than you probably know. I've found a way to find surrogate brothers and surrogate fathers in recovery Mm -hmm. that was at the core of my emotional pain in the beginning. Does that make sense? Honestly, like I'm kind of going to go off on a tangent here, Yeah, sure. but I'm a big believer in, especially working as a counselor is we talk about recovery, 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 recovery. Before you can truly get into recovery, you have to do discovery. It's super important for you to backtrack and pinpoint what were the reasons why you wanted to numb out, why you wanted to avoid, why you wanted to run away from, right? It's super important for you to discover or rediscover who you were before the substances happened. I was 24 years old before I ever got addicted. Mm -hmm. So it was real easy for me to go back, make that reconnection. Like, Hey, I like working out. It helps me. Right. I like connecting with other people and going and, and doing things and being social. You know, I had a sense of self before the drugs 
that I was able to get reconnected with, rediscover. Did you lose that to drugs a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you stopped working out. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I know. Why? Why? Well, I get you know? it. Right. And so I think that that's important for the listeners. Like that's kind of how I've done it. Yeah. Is my routine is everything for me today? You know, like it, I, I it's wake not up. Not uncommon. Um, keep going. Actually, I want you to keep going with that thought. Let me. I was just gonna say, you. like a lot of people listen. The rooms helped me. Fellowship helped me. I'm not a big book thumper. I'm not gonna sit here and say you have to do it this way or right. there's no other way. I support all pathways to recovery. The, I'll, I'll get real honest though. The reason I went to fellowships is for what happened 15 minutes before the meeting and what happened the next half hour to 45 minutes after the meeting. Yeah. It was the connection. Yeah. Again, listen, if I self-evaluate myself, I was just a big softy that needed some people to give a crap about me, right? That needed some people to, to care and lean on me and love me and support me. And, you know, and so I, I found that. I found that in fellowship. And that's the biggest, we can read the dailies and, and that's all good. But for me, the most important part of the fellowshipping was fellowshipping was building relationships with people. Sure. sure. And my daily routine, like I stick to the same routine and that that helps me tremendously. That's probably what I leaned on the most in early recovery was like, look, I wake up, I do X, Y, and Z. I keep myself busy. When my head hits the pillow at night, I picked up one more day. Yeah. And it just continued to get easier and easier the more I followed that routine. The jobs got better. The relationships and networking got better. I start, you know what I mean? Like it, it just, sure. it kind of, I didn't, again, that's the, the power of turning it over is I didn't really have control. I didn't have a plan. I just woke up, did my routine, did the next right thing. No matter what I didn't, I didn't use. If I had tough days, I called the sponsor and here I am eight years later. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty miraculous. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting because you mentioned something that actually doesn't totally ring true with me, but probably will for a lot of people, and that is you discover, trying to discover why you wanted to numb. Like, I've always been of the opinion that, to me, it didn't matter why. I had to figure out how not to. Mm. The reason behind it to me, I don't even, to this day, may not even totally know the reason behind why I used I mean, a lot of my use was because I had migraine headaches, so pain is for sure a reason, but that's not why I got addicted or why I, I mean, I don't think I got, I think I got addicted because I was numbing stuff out maybe, but or maybe I don't know why you I had way to too many out. hours. Well, I might've worked a few too many hours, but you were one of the most successful OBGYNs in all of Utah County. But what I had to figure out was not really why I did it, but just how not to. Can what, I tell you why it's important today? Can I tell you why it's the why is important for me? Yeah. Because... If I don't know the reason why, how do I avoid it in the future, right? So for me, it's like my warning signs are self-pity. Okay. My warning signs are loss. My warning signs are grief. My warning signs are stress. My warning signs are socially isolating, right? All the things that, that got me into the situation, I have to be aware of those things so that I don't fall back into that, that frame of mind, that lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, uh, it's very interesting cause I, I'm sitting here listening to this and thinking, cause my story is a little bit different and we don't want to do my story today, but everybody's a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's a little bit different and everybody's got their own story and their own reasons and their own ways not to, and their own, but it all works. Yeah. As yeah. long as it works, as long as you're doing it. It'll work. And the biggest thing I, I feel like if I, now I'm kind of speaking to that person in early recovery okay. is you're going to go through some times that your brain, because of the, you know, what happens in addiction, your brain is going to be screaming at you. We need relief. Gotta we know some. how to get relief. Yeah, gotta have something. If you can just delay long enough. I mean, honestly, I, I've 30 seconds to a minute at the most. If you can call somebody and tell on yourself and say, hey, man, I'm having thoughts of using, I'm really struggling, right? Like those, as simple as that sounds, after that passes, you're good. It's not going to last forever. Right. It's going to feel like it's going to last forever. Right. It's going to last even longer if you don't call and tell somebody or if you don't get honest with somebody and you don't reach out for help. But for me, that was it is I had to humble myself and get real and let people know where I was at 
Otherwise, I was going to relapse. Okay. I, I just learned something from you, but I want to learn one more thing at least. What's one of the greatest things that you've, what's one of the greatest things you've learned in recovery? Self-love. All right. You know, I, I, I've also learned that it's not all about me. You know, those to, two kind of collide a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Self-love and it's all about me, but it, I have they more don't have genuine to. self-love though, yeah, when it's right. not all about me. Right. You know, when I'm in service to others and when I'm helping other people, mm. when I'm getting outside of me, mm. I love and appreciate me more. It's not ego. It's true self-love and it's true self-acceptance at that point, if that makes sense. Interesting point and a really interesting skill in recovery is get outside your own head, dude. Go do something for somebody else. Yeah. Like make somebody else's day. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll get out of your own self-pity and your own anxiety and your own depression and your own and, all of that stuff. And don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Like I come on here and I have goofy glasses and I sing and right. like I, uh, you know, I'm me and there's some people that are going to gravitate towards me. They're going to love me. And there's some people that are going to make comments and they're going to hate me. And that's yeah, okay too. Stop the too. singing, man. Stop the singing. Stop the singing. Stop, see, no I'm going to have Sean Denimans out there, but I got, I got to just be me and have fun with it. Right. Let's because let's sing a song on the way out. <laughs> because if I'm so worried about what you think and what you think, you know, I'm in a bad place. Right. Okay. This has been fun, man. Yeah, it's fun. We got 20 seconds left to the get, we're going to get cut off, but to the guy out there trying to seek recovery, one thing you got to say to him. The first thing you got to admit it, you got to admit that you're an addict. Listen, I think we make it way too complicated. We need to do three things. You need to be aware of it. You need to admit that you have a problem. Then you need to try something different because that coping skill of using is only going to make things worse. All right. Thank you, everybody. Episode 88 in the books. Thanks, Doc. Love you. Thank you you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.